Hello and welcome back to the Pure 10 podcast. I'm still your host Sam Akpan, but this show is about to change. Originally designed to focus on those making waves on the pitch, the focus shifts now to those off it, honing in on the experiences and lessons gained by the movers and shakers in the world of football. For those looking for opportunities within the sport, I hope these episodes offer an insight into what exists out there. Let's create some chances. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Pure 10 podcast. Um, I'm delighted now with the reintroduction to invite our first ever guest on. Um, as I've said before, I'd love for this show to be able to educate people who want to learn more about the academy system, football in general, and um, I'm delighted to invite the director of the QPR Academy, Alex Carroll. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Being the first is a little bit of pressure, but uh, no, I'm up for the challenge. We'll talk about pressure. We'll talk about all of that sort of stuff. Um, I kind of want to start on something just that as we were speaking about when we came in, you spoke about um, having a recent audit. How was, how was all of that? Yeah, it was, um, I think, something that we're, we're quite used to now. So we, uh, we have two different types of audit. Um, one is annually, and that is a check on our um, compliance basically so are we hitting all the rules that the the premier league um the premier league and the efl agree on at the start of each season so uh it takes a day um it's done online and they speak to a number of staff interview us and then we submit documents to them just to show that we are adhering to the rules that those guys set so um we are waiting for our report to come out but we we think it went pretty well um and then we we're sort of awaiting probably next season a more thorough um, audit which will look a little bit more like Ofsted I would say so you've, you've got an audit team that come in and actually spend near enough a week with you and, and look into everything that you do Yeah, it's interesting that you speak about the auditing because um, I guess the main question I really want to get from you is um, when we look at like academies and what makes a successful academy um, how do you as like the leader kind of like choose what metric to kind of like judge it, is it the auditing process or is it category is it who comes out um how you treat the players what what kinds of things go into that consideration yeah so i think um i think each club does things slightly differently for us we focus our success measures if you like or our kind of key metrics around two different areas so the first one for us is around playing return so number of players that are making appearances in our first team so you'll hear I guess quite different targets across different clubs probably depending on where they are on their their journey their youth development journey I guess um, so for us we look at number of debuts in the team uh, and we do it over each three-year cycle um, and then the second part of what we're sort of looking for in terms of success is return on investment so um, I think since COVID you know everything has been scrutinized more and more and the academy system is 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 one of those um one of those areas that people look into and want to make sure that you know something is is, is coming out of it and is uh, you know are the checks effectively that owners are writing are, are, are they being repaid so for us um we have a break-even measure as a minimum target of course we want to show that we're bringing money into the club but for us we have a break-even measure again over a sort of a three-year period Cheers. Thank you for that. Um, so you spoke about like the relationship with the first team. Um, is that something that it, you would say is very much in your control or does that, is that very contingent on 
kind of like the manager at the time, the kind of structures that maybe extend further into the first thing rather than academy staff and in your remit? At first, I'd say it's definitely in my remit to build relationships with those that work in the first team. Um, I think it comes down to uh, comes down to individuals and I guess their own their own skill sets in being able to develop those types of relationships. Um, in my role, it's really important that I, I guess, make effort to to to, to reach out and to speak to people on the first team side. Um, I think everyone knows first team football. That there's so much pressure. Um, very much the focus is about winning on a Saturday or on a Tuesday night um, and sometimes it can be quite difficult maybe to look further into the future but that's where I guess me and my team have to make sure that we're the ones that are, are making that effort we're very lucky here that we've got a director of football uh, Les Ferdinand and a technical director Chris Ramsey who have kind of got huge kind of emotional investment if you like in youth development from their careers so um, they do a, a fantastic job for us in terms of bridging the gap between the two, the two members of or two two groups of staff, should I say? Um, and then we we've we've been very fortunate to have some managers that have been very open as well. So um, you know, just this close season as as an example, Gareth Ainsworth has been in with us for only a small number of months in the first team, but you know we've had some really positive discussions already about pre-season. We were talking yesterday about the players from the B team that are likely to travel with the first team on their pre-season tour. So lots of, you know, exciting conversations and just to kind of recap and go back to your question, really, for me, it's really important. It's a big part of my job is to make sure that I am helping to bridge the gap between the two entities, the first team and the academy. And uh, relationship building is, uh, I guess, one of my kind of key responsibilities. Yeah, that's um, really interesting. Thank you for that. Um, I wanted to ask particularly on that, when you speak about your remit, how do you see your role as director? Because I know it varies uh, from club to club in terms of the head of the academy, but how would you define your kind of day-to-day -day responsibilities? So probably the easiest way to describe it is that I work really closely with um, with our technical director and head of coaching, which is Chris Ramsey. Um, he looks after all the on-the-field matters, if you like, so he's in charge of um, coaching. Uh, and the recruitment side of um, of the academy, and then I take care of, I guess the the more the more business focused areas. So I'd be responsible for the day to day running of the academy, management of heads of department, the long term vision and strategy, um, finances and budget planning, etc. Um, so those would be the sort of the core elements that that I would deliver um, and be less involved. So I'm not a, I've not come from a coaching background. I've come from a, a business and a management background. And we work really closely together to make sure we get that balance. And I think we've been sort of running this model for over five years now. Um, and it works really well for us. It sort of suits our skill sets. And um, I think you see more and more now in, in academies that academy managers or academy directors, whichever title a club feels comfortable with, the background of those people is now not just the most experienced coach as, as it used to be maybe sort of a decade ago. You have people from education, you have people from operations, sports science and performance, you know, basically people who are who have been sort of trained in one particular way, but have gathered a skill set to allow them to be effective leaders. Yeah. Yeah. And on that, um, do you feel like having had that focus in the business operational background, um, do you feel like you've had to necessarily widen your skill set in terms of maybe the more on pitch technical coaching element? Or are you very comfortable to leave that 
to kind of like Chris and the other. I think it's important to be, if you're in a leadership role in an academy and, and in a football club, I think you have to have an understanding of all areas. So I've worked hard in, in certain areas that, you know, growing up, I wasn't particularly exposed to. So medicine, sports science, um, some aspects of education, um, those areas I've um, made sure that I've upskilled myself by building good relationships with people, learning from people, being open, making sure that you're authentic and uh, willing to learn and sort of not trying to uh, manipulate your way through it, asking for advice when it's needed. Um, on the technical side, um, I would be much more involved um, much more involved in some of the background work in the technical side than I would be in, in some of the other areas. So for example, um, at the club, I look after our loans here. So that would involve um, liaising with the loan clubs, um, putting together the relevant kind of agreements with them, um, making sure that I'm the person that organises and, and actually goes out and watches the players and tracks their, their development progress as well. So for me, um, I will never be a coach. Um, I did a bit of coaching in my sort of initial years here, sort of 2014, 15, 16. Quickly realised it wasn't going to be something that I felt best suited my skill set, um, had good fun and having a go at it and felt it was worth getting some level of badges at the sort of at the lower end to, to understand things. But for me, my focus more on the technical side has been down uh, talent ID. So I um, upskilled myself by going on the level four talent ID strategy uh, course in 2015, graduated uh, 18 months later. Um, and then that's the sort of the pathway, I guess, that, uh, that I'm on because my long-term... Uh, aspiration will be to um, continue to have a foot in the door in youth development but I would like at some stage to have a, a sort of a club-wide role um, so for me to upskill myself on the TAN ID pathway which ultimately ends in uh, sort of a technical director's qualification that's that's my uh, long-term aspiration. Yeah that's amazing um, so starting obviously starting in like the administration and operational sides to now almost having aspirations to go club-wide um, how do you, like, what do you attribute your development to? Like, what do you think has made you able to make the steps in your career? You've just surpassed five years as director of the academy. Uh, didn't bring a cake, but congratulations. <laughs> um, like, how do you kind of attribute that growth project? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm probably not going to say anything that's um, revolutionary, but the first thing's I've worked really, really hard. Um, so I've been fortunate to come across really good people in my career. Um, I came up at a time when it was pre-EPPP um, and that meant that uh, we were a much smaller workforce. So when I grew up and came through uh, sort of Tottenham's Academy working there, you know, I think we probably had less than 10 full-time staff, but I was sitting in an office with John McDermott, who's now technical director of the FA, Chris Ramsey, who's technical director at QPR, Richard Allen, who's held some prestigious roles and He's now uh, working for FIFA. So I was in and around people. Sorry, Alex Inglethorpe. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, there's more that comes to mind. Alex Inglethorpe's academy director at Liverpool. Perry Sucklin, significant first team in academy coach at Tottenham. I had those people at my disposal every day. Um, and I knew that by working really hard, I was building trust and rapport with those guys. And they would then in turn give me opportunities. So I learned that very quickly. Um, it was a steep learning curve because I think my first week at Tottenham I was all over the place I remember going home and saying to, to my mum said I'm not sure this is going to be for me I think it's too fast paced I'm not sure I can handle it but um got a lot of good help 
as I mentioned earlier, being being authentic and willing to ask for help when you need it is massive. Um, and then I think something that I that I inherited from my mum, who was a teacher, was a thirst for learning. So um, we've just discussed about um, widening, I guess, my knowledge by going sort of down the talent ID route. Um, it's not an essential in my role. I could probably quite easily operate without having to go on that program, um, without extending the Premier League's um, EAM program onto a Masters. But I find it very difficult to turn up opportunities to learn. I think I've inherited that. I'm very lucky that I was brought up to to have that attitude. So I've tried to carry that through and uh, and yeah, kind of almost uh, replicate what I think my mum would do in that situation. Yeah, you speak about that uh, steep learning curve. So um, I find that like maybe a lot of people that I've spoken to, um, sometimes there's a difference between whether you feel experienced enough to take responsibilities that are then given to you and sometimes you almost feel like what I have is maybe too small and too light and mm. I want more responsibility did you find that you were very much you almost felt like you were maybe underqualified at points or was it the fact that you felt overqualified how how was that just I've definitely felt underqualified. Um, I've definitely had imposter syndrome. I think lots of people, lots of people worldwide have it. I think lots of people in the game have it as well. Um, so I think I've always been quite young to get certain roles. So when I achieved them, obviously very proud, but there's definitely been some level of imposter syndrome there. So I can remember going on initial development courses and being around really experienced people and sort of first contact feeling a little bit insignificant and thinking well how am I going to contribute to this conversation because this person has done that in the game or this person has coached or recruited that person um but quickly realized that actually um my my own journey and the skill set that I've developed I think has been fairly unique um and therefore I, I'm in a position to contribute based on what I can bring to the party um so I can understand the conversations that are going on but I can also bring something new um and I think it's slightly kind of slightly cheesy but I put on a presentation recently there's a really good Richard Branson quote about um if you don't know how to do something just say yes and work out how to do it later um if that around the job opportunity is an example and I think when I was uh when I got this role as academy director um I'm sure because of my background there may have been a couple of questions raised but um, for me, it was then about going back to the the traits that we spoke about in the previous question: hard work, authenticity, ask for help when you need it, work really hard, and then you know you're going to be in a position where you're going to be able to lead effectively. And I'm hopeful that I'm in that now. So, um, how would you define your leadership then? Um, having kind of like been very true to yourself, now that you're in a leadership position, how do you like um, maybe? define how you look to lead others and that kind of thing yeah I don't think I'm your kind of old-fashioned uh shouter or, or anything like that um I think I'm a fairly good strategist uh, and I like to try and bring people kind of bring people with me on, on on a journey if you like so um one of the things that I judge myself on here is be, is becoming a, a renowned developer of people so I mentioned earlier that I'm not going to be the person out on the grass very much I'll, I'll be out there on occasion but I'm not going to be the one leading coaching sessions so I can't necessarily um, develop the players in that sense but for me it's around developing the the people in the environment so I can help to develop the players off the pitch 
Um, but certainly the staff, uh, I'd like to think that I've helped a number of those guys uh, move on in their careers, whether that's internally or externally. We're very proud that uh, a lot of the workforce here are not in their first job at QPR. They've moved on and been promoted into into a different role. And that's something that I actually judge myself on as a leader is trying to help people reach their potential, whether that's the young people that are in our uh, in our care every day, whether that's the, the people that come to work every day here. So um, for me as a leader, I would like to be, you know, if I'm looking back at a career, I'd like to be known as someone that helped others to uh, achieve their own uh, potential. But ultimately, of course, then uh, being a flag bearer for the academy and being someone that has helped to deliver success for the club based on the metrics that we spoke about at the start. So when it comes to celebration of that, um, obviously, like just hearing what you said about your journey from Tottenham, obviously studying, starting out a placement at Tottenham, kind of read your LinkedIn before, you know, had to had to come prepared. But um, taking the steps now to be um, director, working your way up um, at QPR, like the people you're saying as well, um, kind of like where does celebration come? Is that maybe when you kind of like finish a degree, finish a master's? Is that um, at the end of a season like now? Or when do you kind of like make that space to say, okay, I've done something amazing here. I need to like celebrate because football, um, there's always a next season, the academy, there's always a new cohort coming in and maybe decisions being made on like the careers of those already in it. Mm. How are you, where do you find that space in like a never ending system? I'm probably not the best at celebrating success. I'm always, I wouldn't say worried, but always considering what comes next because football as you mentioned, is so fast-paced that things can change quickly and all of a sudden, you know, reputations can uh, move up or down. So I guess some elements of uh, a personal success. So if I'm, we, we met obviously on the, the Premier League's um, EAM programme. So for me to graduate from that alongside some incredible and brilliant people in football, um, that was a really big moment for me. Um, and moving on to... The master's program is probably something I didn't think I'd be doing um, at this stage and holding down a full-time role. So it's been a been a good challenge, but I, I wouldn't say I spend much time celebrating that. I might, you know, we we had a fantastic evening where we, where we had the graduation, and it feels like it's a really important moment for to share with people. But you know, the next morning is very much about where I was next on the agenda for for the academy. So you know, there are some small spaces for personal celebration, but in terms of um, in terms of in in work, my job is very much about the long term. So I have to constantly be scanning what comes next and planning for, for the academy, planning for people, planning for the players, opportunities. So um, I don't often, if I'm honest, sit back and, and think we, we, we've done a great job. I'm always thinking about what can we do next. But um, I'd certainly be a bit uh, slightly hypocritical, but I'd certainly encourage the the staff to reflect on the job that they've done um, and how much they've brought to the party because you know we we have had some good success here um, is a rocky road like all kind of development programs are I think but we've had some absolutely brilliant moments whether that's players making appearances players being sold for a lot of money and bringing in revenue to the club or young people going out of here and going on to incredible things in their career you know getting the phone call uh, and hearing about players getting enrolled on uh, programs in American colleges gives you a feeling that 
can't really can't really describe it. It feels like um, a player's walked out of Loftus Road and, and made an appearance in the first team. So you, you you have little glimpses of it, but you can't stand still. If you do, I think you're in trouble. Yeah, and um, I was even going to say with in terms of the stillness at QPR, I know like the plans for the new training ground and uh, kind of like maybe managerial shifts. Do you feel like it's easier or more difficult for you to lead when there's that kind of like maybe change happening concurrently or because of the fast pace, it kind of, you just roll with the punches and see whatever happens. I think for me, it's really important to remain consistent. So the average tenure, I think at the moment of a championship manager is eight months across the game, which is just remarkable. So we've been in a position this season where we've had um, four managers because we had a, a Paul Hall was interim who's, made the promotion who's done a fantastic job at his football club move from uh the academy running our sort of b team program into into the first team now and he's part of gareth staff so we have had four managers this season so obviously a lot of change at first team level been a difficult uh season at first team level but thankfully secured our safety and now we're in a sort of now in a in a building phase um so for me in terms of leading the academy very fortunate that when les ferdinand came in he was consistent in saying Whatever happens at first team level, I don't want the academy to have major kind of structural changes as and when new managers come in. I need that to remain a constant. Um, and then we look at, I guess, moulding the very top end RB team model, which is is, is sort of the under-21s model at other, uh, other clubs. Um, maybe putting sort of slight tweaks on that programme to suit management, but making sure really the the philosophy of the academy stays consistent. And so for us, having key reference points and making sure that they're evident in everything we do is vital so for us the foundation the bedrock of everything we do is our standards we have three key standards here or values as they may be known in other environments so respect responsibility and resilience so for me if, if we can get those things to come out in everything we do whether that's with staff players whether that's in the environment and building a culture i think you're in a good position and um, for me that's how we can maintain consistency even when there might be some change above us. That's great. That's great. Thank you. Um, I had a question that just slipped my mind. I'm now I'm now attempting to scan it back, but just based on what you're saying, um, kind of like about, I guess, your individual journey, um, why youth development? Like, what about it kind of like brought you in to want to work in it as a career? I definitely didn't know it would be youth development all the way through. Um, I was fortunate to get my first level of experience in Tottenham's academy and it was just the experience of working with young players, young children in that environment that gave a great feeling. I mean, I was probably a similar age to uh, when I first joined in there, sort of 18, 19, so this is going back to, you know, 2008. Um being a similar age to the boys that were training on a full-time program there every day, built really strong relationships with them. Uh, I've always absolutely loved football, but was never going to be anywhere near good enough to play. So <laughs> I don't believe that. Um, so to work in the game was, was after sort of stepping through the doors at Tottenham was then, then the definite, the definite was wanting to work in football. And I had experiences there where I was able to work across first team and academy. Um, but there's just there's a there's a feeling you can't you can't replicate when young people in your care succeed or fail and you help them to get back on track 
there's just a feeling that you can't explain. So um, recently we had a game, um, first team game against Watford, and one of the players that had been here since the age of eight, uh, Aaron Drew, played in the game. I believe he was man of the match. If he wasn't, then he, then he should have been. Uh, he was outstanding against Watford's two wide men who were worth a combined probably £40 million in terms of the fees that they cost. Um, and I got on the train afterwards and I had all the intentions. I was travelling a couple of hours somewhere and had all the intentions of sitting there and doing some some work and some planning. Actually, it might have been for the for the Masters. And I just couldn't because I just had a buzz. Uh, and all I wanted to do was just read match reports, watch videos, speak to people about it. And if that can be part of your work in life, you got to be very fortunate. So you feel very, very lucky to be in a position where your professional career gives you that feeling uh, and hopefully long may it continue. Yeah, long may it continue, man. Um, I wanted to ask a bit of a thought experiment. So if I was to say start up an academy tomorrow, North London Academy. Got a bit of competition there already, but... Bit, yeah, another team there, but yeah, let's just say I get another another slice, of, let's say Edmonton instead of uh, Tottenham. Um, and I was the academy manager looking to kind of like set up and begin. What would be the first thing you would tell me? You're my, you know, impromptu advisor. What is what is the first thing you would tell me to think about in terms of like starting up that academy? Probably in danger of repeating myself a little bit, but for us, our whole strategy is built on the standards here. So trying to create an identity of what you want the academy and everyone associated with it to stand for that for me is the most important part um i don't think with respect to any individual i don't think an individual can decide that i think there needs to be a period of uh consultation and uh just getting to know people relationship building who's going to be involved in a process and, and coming to coming to a shared agreement about what's going to be important for for that academy or that organization then there's obviously layers on top of that. But for me, it's, yeah, building building the key values or the um, standards, as we as we call them here, what you want the academy to stand for, and then think about building a structure to, with, with those with those things in mind, building a structure to, to deliver a strategy. But I think it's also important to understand, obviously, an academy is part of a club and has to feed into an overall strategy. So before you can start thinking about how you're going to set departments up and all that kind of uh, that good HR stuff, I think you need to understand what the club is expecting. What what are the expectations set from the board? Is it a club that strongly believes in youth development and wants, I don't know, wants a wants a youthful squad to be part of the first team in every season? Is it a a nice to have community project for someone? You need to understand that before I think you can actually then hone in on what's going to be a detailed strategy uh, that's a that's a answer i'd expect from an academy director <laughs> a politician you mean um i did want to ask um just for those who aren't necessarily currently working in the academy system you obviously have a not uh, have a lot of knowledge about like the different processes um when it comes to retaining and releasing players and stuff like that how would you maybe say for somebody who's just listening to this interested in the academy system they could find ways to learn about it without being in it 
we're really lucky now that there's so much good information online um so, <laughs> like this podcast uh so for me there's this there's an opportunity to understand what is involved in if you take an academy as an example then so we've got i don't know seven or eight different departments and you can be a specialist in any one of those and have a fantastic career uh, a really rewarding career so there's almost no excuse really to not look into things and to research so um there wasn't when i first joined tottenham's academy there wasn't so much around so i wasn't aware of the opportunities that were going to be i was quite fortunate that there was a an opportunity that i i wouldn't say i fell into i had to seek it out but uh, i don't know that maybe the wider population would have had access to so much information but if you look at some of the resources now on linkedin youtube um just wider forums there's so much information about the different types of roles um what you would need to be able to work in those roles the qualifications the job specs um but you can enhance your knowledge through reading so if you have a particular interest think about where that might fit into football and just just delve into it and also the other aspect is that people are more accessible now so um you know hopefully the the, the people watching have got linkedin accounts but you never quite know what an approach on linkedin might do so if you reach out to someone and who works in an academy system i'm you know people unfortunately very busy so i'm sure there's you have to have a thick skin when you're doing it and understand that not you're not going to get responses to everything but you might just find that one person who says actually i've got a free afternoon come in for a coffee and i'm happy to share what i do or what the club does in that particular area so for me no excuse for not researching spend time to read think about what you're interested in and follow that um and then reach out to people because you never know where that where those relationships might develop and what opportunities can arise from that perfect that's perfect thank you um i guess i was trying to think if i could got another question but can i ask you a question i'm going to ask you that same question because i came across you in in as part of the em program and i think um there was a shared appreciation across kind of the academy managers uh, in the room in terms of what you've done to enhance uh, under Piers and Joe's kind of leadership, what would you say? What would your guidance be as someone who's making big waves? This is not on the script, <laughs> but um, that's a great question. Um, I think for me, I've been, um, I've kind of gone from one, I feel like I've gone from one extreme to another. So when I first finished university, studied politics, um, I was unemployed for a long time. Like, and when I say like, I was genuinely had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I think getting the opportunity with BCOMS before, which is like the black collective of media and sport. Um, they do a lot to kind of like get more underrepresented people into sports media. Uh, we've got another alumni behind the camera, uh, Will, um, and, um, I think that experience really helped me kind of figure out that football was something I wanted to do, but I just had no idea what it was. And I just had that appetite to try anything. So I've written on netball, cycling, loads of different things. So when I came into the Premier League, I had no idea what academy workforce development was. I thought an academy manager was, or academy director was coach of the under 21s. Um, but I think being able to just jump into those spaces and just uh, try things, build connections, 
and try to be myself and as authentic as possible um, has probably served me well. So hopefully that's her answer. I wasn't expecting to answer any question. Scott's better than my answer, so there you go. No, man, it's, it's, it's not quite got the, the, the AC QPR <laughs> gravitas, but um, I'm trying. But um, I think that's the perfect the perfect place to say thank you honestly and um yeah what's i guess the last question is what's next for you you spoke about like the talent id journey um maybe looking kind of like club wide um and building like your skill set um is there anything else that you're doing to kind of like maybe just keep holistically improving yeah so um at the moment i'm enrolled on uh masters in sports management with support from the Premier League um, at the University of Portsmouth. So just submitted a research proposal on that. So academic referencing was was something to revisit. That was... Uh, Any spoilers on what the research proposal Yeah, my research is going to be around whether integrating training facilities can lead to more academy-developed players making appearances in the first team. So that integration is effectively academy and first team working in, in within the same on the same site within the same building and academy players and staff having access to facilities and they're not being I suppose a divide or exclusivity so um, I'm hoping to prove that from speaking to other clubs that by integrating and working really closely together more players make it through and make appearances that's the hypothesis anyway so we'll see how that goes so I've got that masters running in the background um, and then professionally uh, all eyes on QPR Academy for me. So I've got, you know, uh, everyone's of course got long-term aspirations, but for me, it's about delivering success for this football club, for the owners here who have been fantastic for the academy. Um, and we've got a new training ground to deliver, which comes this pre this coming pre-season. So that's a huge project that uh, a number of us have been lucky enough to be involved in from sort of architects meeting years and years ago to seeing the building uh, coming sort of into its own now and we're not too far away. So that's uh, professionally what, what's on the horizon for the next few months and uh, really, really excited to see what next season brings. It's amazing. I look forward to seeing that new training ground um, for my trial. Um, <laughs> hoping to come in next season. Um, you know, Ilias Chair, you know, watch, watch out. I'll be, I'll be starting. I'll be starting. But um, <laughs> on that note, I just want to say thank you for your time. Um, really appreciate you coming on first guest amazing job um and yeah all the best at qpr and with your own development and yeah thank you again so i would do a round of applause but this is a yep yep and yeah thank you so for future um i guess if you enjoyed listening to this feel free to subscribe um for more episodes like this maybe you know not him but you know other voices other voices <laughs> As, as you can tell, I'm not really good at ending shows. But yeah, thank you for listening and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Take care.